Hey everyone, we are so excited to have our guest this week. Trevor and I are joined with Brenton Smith, the pastor of our Norwood Park location, the newly replanted church from Edgebrook, and they are up at Taft High School. Brenton is married to his amazing wife, Amber, who runs a lot of the women's ministries up there. And they have six kids, but right now they have one through Safe Families as well. So they're pushing a Nate Payne level of seven kids. <laughs> and he told us that he just upgraded his van to a 15-passenger van. So I think he has room for more. Yeah. And uh, today we get the chance to discuss with him uh, Habakkuk and uh, how that plays a pretty significant role in understanding what's happening in Romans chapter 1, uh, the practice of thankfulness and gratitude in our lives. And we also get to find out where some of the best corned beef hash in the city is located. That's making me hungry, but it's time to dive in. I'm Sharon Brandis. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is The Pastor's Cut with Brenton Smith. Hey, Brenton. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. We are so glad that you have joined us this week. Thanks for having me here. We have a question that we are asking our guests this season to get to know you a little bit better and for our listeners to maybe go grab some good food around the city. So what is your favorite restaurant? So if you looked at where my money's being spent, it'd probably show McDonald's because I have so <laughs> many kids. And, uh, I'm sorry Definitely for that. not my favorite place. Um, there is a, uh, a restaurant right next to me called the Edgebrook Coffee Shop. Uh-huh. Really good place, small little diner. Um, so if you go on a Saturday for brunch, you might be sitting, but it's worth the wait. Um, mm. In particular, what what I had the first time, and I get there every single time I go, is a corned beef hash. Mm. So good, so yeah. good. It's worth. It's like I said, it's worth the wait to get in. Okay, that yeah. sounds really good. Yeah, I love corned beef hash. That was one of my favorite breakfasts back in high school, and to this day, although the quality of corned beef hash I have now is better, that was back just a can. Oh. Sometimes cooked in the microwave with ketchup all over That's it. That's why I can't have corned beef hash anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, because it's not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just there. That's great. Yeah, I'll have to try that out. That yeah. sounds great. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you preached at Norwood Park uh, up in Taft now. Very exciting with the, the move up there. Um, and yeah, could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Absolutely, yeah. So we're going in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 is the passage that we were looking at. Um, which can be a little bit of a challenge. It's really hitting some areas that we as a culture don't like to even think about or we don't like to recognize God as having some of these characteristics. And so um, my big idea, just to kind of give us that, was uh, sin is real and God is serious about our sin. Um, mm. Kind of helps us feel the the gravity of what it is. Um, and I actually had to sit there. I didn't resolve the tension, uh, except mm. for the very end. I, I had to give a little bit of hope because mm-hmm. it was heavy, but... Um, but really kind of let us just sit in that space that God is serious about our sin. Um, and then my, my three points were uh, God is revealed and God recognized and God rejected. And mm-hmm. it's those three pieces that we kind of walked through as we as we looked at this this passage. Um, really neat, as, as real as God's wrath is and, and because of our sinfulness, I mean, as big as it is, uh, mm-hmm. the cross is bigger. And so that's kind of where I ended up going as we hit chapter, as we kind of move our way towards chapter five, that starts to resolve a little bit of it. So I, I kind of gave us that glimmer of hope at the end, uh, but really kept it, um, kept, kept us kind of in that area going like, wow, this is, mm-hmm. this is serious. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. so much to our way to our sin. I talked a little bit at the beginning about uh, we, we live our life feeling like there's a, a, a balance 
And if I put my my good deeds and those outweigh my bad deeds, but so often we think that our good deeds are like big bricks, big rocks that we put on the one side and our sins are like little pieces of sand. And so we're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but really it's actually flipped. Yeah. That yeah. it's actually our 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 sinfulness is like these huge rocks that no matter how much good we we put on this side, the sand is never gonna outweigh this. Um, that we need somebody to step in, and that's what that's what Christ did. He stepped in, and so now it's like the the weight of who He is totally outweighs anything uh, mm-hmm. that we have done in our life. And so mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of how I introduced it for us that we have this misconception at times um, yeah. about what what makes us right before God, and this starts to answer that question. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's an interesting tension that uh, preachers can feel sometimes with the. Uh, the passage can be one that brings up tension and it's not resolved in the mm-hmm. passage that you're preaching on. And so you do just, you, you kind of have to sit in it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like we, we find the resolution to things, like the resolution of the tension in the gospel and we always mm-hmm. want to preach the gospel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that can be a tricky tension to not move too quickly past yeah. the difficulties. Yeah, we have to sit in that though. Because mm-hmm. if we move too quickly past his wrath, it yeah. makes his grace in our lives feel cheap mm-hmm. because I mean, after all, you're just forgiving me for being unkind. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's actually deeper than that. Your unkindness points to something greater, something deeper, yeah. something that is actually against God, ungodly, mm-hmm. um, unrighteous. And so we have to we have to sit in it, um, yeah. and we can't just jump to the nice parts. Like, okay, God, like mm-hmm. you're you're not all that wrathful because no, you are, mm-hmm. and and I'm getting my my due penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but only because of Christ, I'm I'm not, and so yeah. yeah. So I actually pushed us to chapter five, which is where we start to see the resolution a little bit at the end of my message. Just kind of brought that up, saying there is hope yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there is peace with God, which is verse one of chapter five. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Wow, we want us. To, mm-hmm. We want to end there. Yeah, but we can't. We can't just jump there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what got cut from your sermon? Yeah. So this one uh, for me is uh, one that I, as I started studying, I started realizing. Uh, the strong connection of the book of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Habakkuk is a minor prophet, mm-hmm. so it's in the Old Testament. It's actually the eighth minor prophet, mm-hmm. and um, you start to hear his story, and it's actually quoted in verse 17 of chapter 1, that the righteous shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. And whenever we get to a passage that, that the, the New Testament is quoting the Old Testament, it, it, the original readers had the greater context of what this is. Um, so often we think it's just the one little like sound bite that he wanted to pull out, but actually he's trying to trigger in the minds of the of the readers that there's so much more to the story. And remember Habakkuk, remember what his resolution yeah. was, remember how this is played out. Um, but for many of us, we don't know the context of the Old Testament. We don't know the context of Habakkuk, and so we go, right. "That's mm-hmm. a great verse." Actually, it doesn't even reference Habakkuk in the in the passage. You have to do some study to figure out where this is coming from in the Old Testament. Yeah. And um, But once we understand the story of Habakkuk, I think it starts to actually not just inform last week's passage, which was 16 and 17, but this week's passage as well, 18 and going forward. And so in this, we, we see the story of Habakkuk, which was a prophet who was kind of having these questions against God, um, these questions that kind of helped him uh, wrestle, helped him figure out, uh, uh, God, like, what are you doing? And in, in chapter 1, uh, verses two through four, he starts to say, God, like, where are you? How long do I have to be uh, pleading with you? Don't you see unrighteousness? Are you blind to all the bad that's happening around here? And then then God takes some space and he answers him. And then the second question is in verse 13, and there as well, it's saying, God, like, uh, the, the, the unrighteous are doing better than the righteous. Um, and they're actually swallowing up the righteous. 
Mm-hmm. Can you do something about that? So we see these injustices and we're actually really kind of uh, uh, put off by it. These are questions that we have. We, mm-hmm. we have to deal with these today as mm-hmm. we're walking down the streets. We see injustices, both big and small. They could be small, they could be big, but but we see these injustices that are that are happening. And, and so there are questions we would have asked and, and Habakkuk here is asking for us as well. Um, the neat thing is that when he gets to answer that 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 uh, second question, um, he says the righteous shall live by faith. That it's actually God's sovereignty that we're that we're walking with. That even if it's not apparent to us, God has a plan. God has a work that He's going to be doing to yeah. punish, to punish. And then that's when we see God's wrath that start mm-hmm. to start mm-hmm. start to open up. And that's kind of where it starts to lead us. The, the great thing about this is that at the very end we see the Psalm that Habakkuk writes, and the Psalm mm-hmm. is uh, is just say, praising God, saying, "Wow, even though uh, the produce from the farm isn't, it, it's it's not." giving me any kind of extra food, or um, even mm-hmm. though my stalls are empty of animals, um, that I will I will trust, I will mm-hmm. trust in God. Yeah. Um, that I will find joy in the God of my salvation is what it says. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's neat that we can actually walk through those tensions in the end, we can still trust God. And so how does this then tie back to Romans chapter one and going forward is that there's this constant wrestling back and forth of the righteous and the unrighteous, the ungodly, and what is God gonna do in his justice? And here's some of those those points of his wrath being poured out, his wrath being introduced, his wrath unfolding, his wrath being mm-hmm. uh, um, made clear for everyone. So uh, just to tie back to to the Old Testament, it helps us as believers that whenever you're reading any New Testament uh, author and they they go back to the Old Testament, don't just say, oh, that's a quote from the Old Testament. Read the whole chapter, Mm -hmm. maybe read the whole book to understand what they're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah, and Habakkuk's not too long. It's only... No, three chapters. Yeah, just three chapters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. And even the, you know, God being revealed in his wrath... um, a gospel connection there and that the place that we see God's wrath the most is actually with Jesus on the cross mm-hmm. receiving the wrath that was meant for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way I say it, if, if, uh, if, if God's wrath is real, the cross is realer. Yeah. It's like there's more, there's more reality to the cross. Uh, you mentioned the sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, sermon that opened the second great awakening in, in American history, church yeah. history. Yeah. And, um, kind of getting at this, he, he uses such descriptive and vivid language throughout that sermon, getting at the idea of uh, the reality of God's wrath that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, we're living in, um, especially those who, who are not followers of Christ, who are outside of a relationship with yeah. Jesus. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, in that, in that message, which was, it kind of opened up the gate and really caused a lot of people to live in fear. And mm-hmm. actually used to be reading that they'd read in the public schools. They don't anymore, but it used to be something that public schools would read. Um, he has this this piece, this section that he says, sin is a ruin and misery of the soul. It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave it without restraint, there would need nothing else to make the soul perfectly miserable. Mm-hmm. And, and it talks about how God is restraining, even though we see all the sin around us and the brokenness, that, that it's mm-hmm. actually not worse because God is holding it back, that God is not um, letting it go untouched. And, and it is something that we uh, need to wrestle with, how um, in my own heart, in my own life, like, man, God's grace has been so big and so clear that he's actually restrained mm-hmm. the full potential of sin reigning in my life, mm-hmm. um, that I'm not as bad as I could be. Yeah, um, I'm not living in that reality all the time because he's restraining that. Um, and, yeah, but yeah, it's like sin is enough to really to really ruin us, mm-hmm. to destroy us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that message. I would say if you have not read that message, 
<clears throat> take an opportunity, look it up. It's free on online because it mm -hmm. was an old message preached in the is it 1600s. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's a worth a read. Or actually, if you don't want to read and you're on a commute, just plug it into YouTube and actually have somebody read it to you. It's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So what else got cut? You know, in verse 21, it starts to talk about um, those that have rejected God. And it talks about those that have rejected God um, have not honored him, have not given him glory due his name. But then the second part of that is that they also don't give God thanks. And so we need to sit in that and realize, man, part of this is that gratitude is such an important part of, of, of our faith that when we approach God, it's not just about give me, give me, give me, mm -hmm. um, but actually to sit in, in thankfulness. Um, it starts to give a, a greater picture of gratitude mm -hmm. um, because the opposite is, is also true. Uh, if, if we're ungrateful, it points to a deeper issue in our life and it usually goes to entitlement that I deserve this. And so when we have entitlement with God, it's almost like, God, you're you're actually better off because I'm with you. Because I chose you, you're better off, God. It's actually the other way around. And mm -hmm. um, it really starts to, to push us into being grateful and thankful. And as we're being thankful to God, it really should inform um, our prayers. Our prayer life should be informed by our gratitude. And then it also actually moves towards our attitude. And that's mm -hmm. alliteration. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, it needs to move into these into these areas that... Uh, I should start off my prayer with with thankfulness. Yeah. Thankfulness. Um, I remember a new. He he wrote a song, and one of the lines was just kept on saying, "Thank you, God. Thank you, God." And that's always kind of come back to me that hmm. we need to be quick to say thank you, mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. Not just repeating these truths about God, but these are personal truths, and we should be thankful about these truths. I think it also changed how we encourage our children to pray. Mm -hmm. If if we're encouraging them to pray. Just simply say, what are you thankful for? And letting them answer that. Um, and also yeah. how we disciple people. Uh, one of the hardest things for uh, for somebody who's new to Christianity, new to, to the faith, is um, how do I pray? And But to just mm -hmm. kind of lead with, just say yeah. thank you to God. Like that's a really important way for us to, mm -hmm. to help people grow. Yeah. Even continuing on in that verse, it says, um, claiming to be wise they became fools and so this mm -hmm. posture of humility mm -hmm. as we are thankful um it just that that verse it's not linking back to proverbs but it sounds something mm -hmm. like you'd read in proverbs yeah. of like yeah if i am humble and i thank god yeah. for all that i yeah. have i'm wise mm -hmm. right i'm mm -hmm. i'm dropping the sense of foolishness so yeah yeah, yeah. you know i'm curious um if we take a moment just to get real between the three of us, how does that personally impact you? So as you're reading this about mm -hmm. my prayer life should be one of thankfulness. Um, mm -hmm. My kids, I should teach my kids to be praying with thankfulness. How did, how did this, we know God's word transforms us. It's alive. So mm -hmm. how did it personally impact you this week? Yeah, I think so often, um, as a pastor or as anyone, it's it's easy to jump into our prayer life like for either things in our own life or things in the lives of other people. And so we like go from like, God, you're good, you're great. Okay, now help, 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 help. Is there anything else that you can help me or help them with? But actually to pause and sit and let that gratitude begin our time with God. I think of when you sit down and you have a moment with God, it shouldn't take long for gratitude to start bubbling out. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it's not going to be like I'm sitting here for the next 30 minutes and I have nothing to thank God for. I think yeah. it, it will be we'll be surprised at how much starts to come out in our thankfulness. Yep. So giving ourselves that time, making a priority of saying how am I how am I being thankful? And I know for me that's that's an important piece mm-hmm. that as I pray with my wife in the morning, we can we can just say thank you God, thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you and, and letting that mm-hmm. kind of get us ready for the rest of our time in prayer and for the rest of our time in God's word. Yeah. 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 Sharon, what about you? It reminds me, one of the first ways that I learned to pray in my small group was through the acronym of ACTS, and that's adoration of God and his character, and then into a a time of confession and Mm -hmm. recognizing that we continually need need God's help um, and grace and mercy, and then a time of thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and then finally supplication or Mm -hmm. petitioning to God what our prayer requests are. Um, and so coming before God with this posture of man, you are worthy of adoration. You are awesome. Like the root word of awe from awesome. Mm -hmm. You, um, remind me to sit here in the weight of my sin and confess what I've done and then thank you for Jesus and, all these other things that I can sit here and thank you for. And then finally, God, mm-hmm. what is your will in my life as I pray these things to you? What is your will for the lives of those people around me, whether they need healing or they need a job or they're struggling with singleness or they're struggling mm-hmm. in their marriage or infertility or whatever it may be, then I can petition that to God. But it's first this posture of these three other things that mm-hmm. I bring first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Trevor? What's it stirring in your heart? Mm. Um, well, a lot of times, actually, I structure my prayer in that same way with the Acts model, which is is really helpful. Um, yeah, and I think, um, Brenton, when you were kind of like initially setting this up, talked about it being almost like a curb to entitlement, mm-hmm. uh, that we, we think we deserve certain things, even if we wouldn't say that. Uh, our Kind of our attitude and our approach to certain mm-hmm. things can can show that if we dig under the surface... Why, like, why is our mood not, not the greatest? Why are we uh, maybe a little bit like grumpy or even ha- have this negativity towards mm-hmm. God? It's because mm-hmm. there's a couple things in our lives um, that like, we think that he should be working in, that we, should think, we think he should be fixing in, in a specific way. Yeah. Um, and it can be so easy to focus on those things uh, specifically and yeah. uh, just narrow the focus so that you completely miss all the ways that God is actually... Uh, providing for you, doing incredible things, and has been working throughout the entirety of your life. And even in those situations, uh, it doesn't mean that he's not doing anything, you know, mm-hmm. just because you don't see him working in the way that you want him to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think thankfulness is a, as a practice is a really um, yeah, powerful and important practice for followers of Christ. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else in this that I didn't necessarily... Um, I didn't preach on, but I, I didn't leave, I, I, I didn't completely leave it out, but, um, is the, um, that when we approach this kind of passage, it really should leave us with a heavy heart, um, mm. that we shouldn't be in celebration over how God's wrath is being poured out on people, but really a, a brokenness. Um, I, I, and then we have to boil it down really personal. What mm-hmm. about for each of us? For instance, in, in 
my life, I have, I have neighbors. We all have neighbors. Some of us have neighbors all around us, up, down, and on every side of us because we live in an apartment building. But mm-hmm. um, I have neighbors on each side of me in, in our home, and both of them are not followers of Christ. And I go, wow, this wrath is real in their lives. And mm-hmm. so it, does it, it, does, it shouldn't cause me any kind of uh, joy. It should actually cause me some brokenness and then should move us on to mission. How are we helping how are we helping them to understand the gospel? What are we doing? Is our life, I mean, talk about people knowing us. Our neighbors can look over our fence and see the way in which our kids talk to each other. Uh, see the way you yeah. respond to your wow. wife mm-hmm. and um, or your husband. And so they see that. But now is your message actually just as strong uh, or is it stronger? And so yeah. um, actually this coming week, I'm going to help drive one of my neighbors down to Florida. He he winters there. He's about he's in his 80s, and he should not mm-hmm. be driving. Period. And uh, but mm-hmm. to get down there, he I help him drive down. And, and this year, I'm actually bringing my dad because my dad is like a total. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's going to share the gospel with him probably five times in the next 18 hours. And so, <laughs> um, like that's that should move us on mission. That my neighbor, although he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. he's he's just a nice guy on his way to hell, which mm-hmm. really should cause us to pause and to feel the weight of that and, and move us into, into mission. Yeah. yeah. So I would actually ask you guys, pray, pray for my neighbor, pray yeah. for the conversations mm-hmm. we get to have, pray that here on the, basically in the bottom of the ninth of his life, that he would see Christ as the only one that brings hope. So our listener question this week was uh, a text question. In light of this passage, specifically verses 20 and 21, we see that creation points to a creator, but not specifically the creator. How do we reconcile those in the world that ha- that understand there is a God, but have never had the gospel fully explained? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, those verses in particular, you probably don't have a Bible in front of you if you're listening to this in your car driving, and I'm thankful for that. So um, the verses, let me just read them out for us real quick. Um, verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the question really does come down to, I, I see that God has shown himself specifically in, in what would be specific revelation. And then there's also general revelation or natural revelation, which some call it. And so there are these things that are known about God, but think about the things that actually it calls out in the passage. Uh, it calls out these two things of, of how God is seen, his um, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. Like these things are seen in him. Yeah. His divine nature, that he is not, he's other than me. Um, and his eternal power, it's like, it's not like he's infinitely strong. It, it, and it, that's true, but it's mm-hmm. also that he has forever been present, his mm-hmm. um, foreverness, in a sense. Um, and so these, these things can be seen of God. And then specifically, what's specific revelation? It starts to turn into, or special revelation, it starts to bring in, uh, I would say, the, the greatest place that we see that is in Jesus Christ and then in his word, um, that we can see these things uh, where God is saying, no, here's, here's a fuller and a very particular revelation mm-hmm. um, for, for us. And, and that, that's where I believe the gospel lands, is in the, the, the uh, not the, natural revelation, but the specific 
revelation. Mm. And so uh, in this, I think it's interesting. So those are the two clearest ways, but also it's in the supernatural, which mm-hmm. as followers of Christ, as, as believers, we have to be all right with wrestling with God operating in ways that aren't comfortable in our system and the way that we operate. So yeah. even thinking about um, some followers of Christ uh being brought to him mm-hmm. through ways that we would have never expected here in our own culture. For instance, yeah. um, the Middle East, many, many Muslims who are turning to God, which are many, mm-hmm. um, you can read about this in Miraculous Movements, a book um, that I read a few mm-hmm. years ago, but you see the stories of many Muslims who have visions, and the visions are always about someone, either either Jesus or an angel, saying, go and speak to this person by this tree. And for some of these people, it's not like just down the street, it's like they've been walking for like half a day to get to this tree. Wow. Yeah. And when they get there, it's like God has already worked in somebody else's life to say, go stand by that tree because somebody's gonna ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And you say, wow, like God, God goes through this space to actually reveal himself specifically. Mm-hmm. Now it's not just nature. It's not just look up at the stars, look up at the sky, look up at the trees, look at the ocean, look at the animals, look at, you know, it's, it's not just that. It's very specific, uh, locked in, into the gospel. Here's somebody going to answer mm-hmm. the gospel for you, unlock the gospel for you. And so, yeah, oh. yeah we, can, we can definitely trust that God will bring people to himself, and he's not just letting them um, mm-hmm. stay with, with general revelation. He, he wants people to see him very specifically, very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for joining us this week, Brenton. Yeah, yeah, it was great having you here. Thank you for letting me come. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We want to hear your questions. So text podcast to 62953 and maybe your listener question will be featured next week on our episode. Again, if you like what you're listening to, leave us a review, rate us five stars and tell your friends about the Pastor's Cut. We'll see you next week.